Hello Clash fans, and welcome to episode 13 of Inside Clash with Trample Damage. I am your host, the Graveyard Spell Slingin' Clan Capital Wannabe Trample Damage. I am actually titling this episode, A Case for the Capital. I love the Clan Capital. I am unabashedly a fan of it. So today's episode, we're going to be talking about why it is great, and also some of the things about why it can be bad. And I'm going to get into a few of the things that I would personally like to change about the Clan Capital, even though I do love it so very, very much. The somewhat more mathematical side of the game that we're going to be discussing today is how raid medals are calculated for the Clan Capital, because I feel like a lot of people don't understand exactly how that works. So we are going to talk about how you get offensive raid medals, defensive raid medals, and how you can try to improve that for your clan. Yeah, I mean, it's really just going to be attacking better, but we're going to talk about that a little bit. And then, of course, we will get into questions from the audience. I sneak around and nobody can see me. I hit the ground and start taking their gold. I funded this kingdom by swinging my crowbar But you take me for granted every day I get your attention for less than five seconds And when I'm revealed, you look away It hurts to admit that you won't even see me When I fade back in and should be visible Diving into what I like so much about the clan capital, there are a lot of things, but I will start little by little. The thing I like the most about the clan capital is the teamwork. There is an element of, you know, hey, we're all piling in toward this common resource and we're, you know, contributing to the defenses that we want to upgrade and we're discussing which ones, uh, which layouts we want to put up on the bases. And there's a lot of communication in the clan chat a lot of times about who wants to take which districts and which strategies people are using. And I do like how that functions. Now, to be fair, it's not necessarily every single week that we see that same kind of teamwork coming, but it is something that's it's nice to have a communal property that the clan is building toward. As the leader of a clan, it's, uh, I don't know, it's kind of unfair because I feel like, you know, it's like my clan capital. And the downside is people that are in the clan that have been contributing to the clan capital, if they do something because they upset somebody, or if they stop playing for a while, or if they want to move to a different clan, then they sort of lose that sense of ownership that they do have. That's the one thing I don't necessarily love about the teamwork aspect, is it does feel like it is a clan thing that we're all building toward, but at the end of the day, it's really, honestly, it's kind of owned by the leader of the clan. I love the added benefit that has come along with Clan Capital. The raid medals are amazing. That quality of life update that came with us being able to do self-donations, all the magic items are cool. I love being able to buy some gold, some elixir, some dark elixir, or builder base gold, builder base elixir. I love being able to pick up pet potions now. But the the ability to self-donate, I mean, I have lots of accounts, so I can always donate to myself, but it usually required me to have at least two accounts in the same clan, and it was harder for me sometimes, especially with a big clan family, to have my bases scattered across the clans and still be able to make very quick and timely attacks. I like now with the raid medals that I can just donate to myself, jump in, make my war attacks, and get on with my day. 
Now, early on with the raid medals, when I wasn't maxing all of my bases or moving my bases up, I basically was having you know, I had like two accounts at every single town hall level, and I wasn't upgrading any of them. But when Clan Capital came around, I started upgrading some of them to be able to participate in the Clan Capital, and I wasn't really using the resources for a lot of stuff, and so I started saving them because I wanted to be able to make, which I will eventually get to, I will have a clan with 50 of the windmills at one time, and I'm going to take a picture of it or make a video of it because it's something I think will be a lot of fun. But I've already got cool cosmetics for all of my accounts, and so now some of the lower ones, I am continuing to do the raids because I want the gold, because I'm working on the clan capital for my trample damage clan, which for the most part is something that I... I'm going to say my bases have contributed 90 to 95% of the gold that has been contributed there, so it's kind of like my own personal pet project, and I'm having tons of fun with it. But the raid medals are so valuable for all of the town halls, and the higher town halls, I sort of mix it up a little bit between grabbing extra dark elixir right now because I'm, I'm getting close to maxing my heroes for my two town hall 15s, my main town hall 15s. And I, so I'm picking up some Dark Elixir, and I'm also funding the Forge, because I do use the Forge, especially the new Auto Forge, you know, like the, the half-price one that comes with the Gold Pass, and I put all that toward the Clan Capital and my Trample Damage Clan. But I normally wind up using the Raid Medals. If I'm in Legend League, it tends to be more self-donation. Uh, other than that, I'm usually just buying Dark Elixir because I want to try and speed along, because an extra 25,000 Dark Elixir can certainly make a difference. I also love the clan capital because I think of it as something that's like a bite-sized fun way to interact with the game. Once a week, you have a maximum of six attacks that you're able to make, and it's something that can just be like a quick little 10 or 15 minute excursion into the world of Clash that is... You know, it's not something that's going to take... I don't have to plan forever because, you know, none of the good guys' clans are trying to compete for the top slots in the world so none of us are like freaking out and stressing out if we didn't wind up getting a district down in two hits or in three hits we are trying to have fun with it you know try some some different troops try some different strategies try to enjoy ourselves along the way but it's a pretty straightforward thing to do I also love it because I think it's just incredibly fun. I like this. It's a different, it's like, it's Clash of Clans, but with this different take of having us all pile on and it's multiple attacks because there's really, I mean, I will say some people are really terrible at attacking. So I would think of their attacks as like failing, but it's inherent that, you know, the first attack isn't going to wind up three starring whatever district you're attacking. And so, you know, that it's going to require multiple attacks. So there's kind of like this notion of like, it's not as difficult because you know you can just kind of unwind and have some fun with it and play around with it and anybody can do it it's not something that is requiring you to be a max town hall 15 to be able to participate you can have lower level clan members join and be able to experience all the same fun that everybody in the clan can enjoy and i really like that sort of anyone can do it aspect I do feel like there is less pressure in the clan capital than there is in other aspects of the game, particularly when you're looking at the main village. Main village, when you're in war, it's like, oh my gosh, I have to perform. Clan War League, especially, that's difficult. There's sometimes people have like, you know, well, you got to have donation ratios, or there's a requirement for like the amount of chatting you need to be doing, or, you know, clan games, you got to max clan games. It's nice that there's there can be less pressure in the clan capital because generally speaking, even if you're not a phenomenal attacker in the clan capital, you are still able to contribute positively to the clan, even if you might somewhat negatively impact the raid medals, which uh, we'll get into a little bit later. 
Now, there is a dark side of the pressure because while it can be less pressure, there are also some clans where it's intense pressure to be taking down specific districts in only two hits, and that can be a lot to live up to. But I like most clans, I like that there is kind of a lower pressure vibe to it of just, hey, be courteous, be friendly, work together as a group, and we're all moving toward the same goal, and it's a lower pressure thing. My favorite thing about the clan capital, actually, maybe even more than teamwork, is the graveyard spell. I I was like, you know, somebody who would play five, six, maybe seven bases in clan capital in any given week. And when the graveyard spell was released, I moved all of my remaining bases that were below Town Hall 6 up to at least Town Hall 6 so that I could start playing for more capital goals so that my trample damage clan would be able to unlock Skeleton Park and upgrade to the, I think... The highest level, what can you get to level three or four? I think it's level three skeleton spells, the highest or graveyard spell you can get to for clan for Capital Hall nine. And I started pouring a ton of time and effort into it on the weekends. I had taken most of my bases out of Legend League. I wasn't really spending time on the weekend developing bases and raiding for Dark Elixir because I was having so much fun trying to get my Capital Hall to nine so that I could upgrade skeleton park and get the graveyard spell because it is such a cool spell i always loved the skeleton spell i used to use it a lot at town hall 12 with a mass hog rider attack and with a queen charge hog rider attack and the graveyard spell is no different i absolutely love that thing while I do think of it as kind of like the best thing ever on the clan capital, there's also kind of like a dark side of the graveyard spell where it is so overpowered. Like they've nerfed it three times, two times, three times, however many times they've nerfed it. They like incrementally take away a few skeletons and it's still a powerful spell. And I keep wondering if one day they're just going to say, okay, well, we'll put it back to the original number of skeletons, but we're going to make it take up three housing spots as well. Or if they'll just maybe continue nerfing it because it really does feel like on some level, the for the competitive clans it's either mass sneaky archers or it's a graveyard spell based strategy which i don't really mind because i absolutely love especially attacking the skeleton park the dragon cliffs the barbarian camp i use a mass rocket balloon strategy with the graveyard spell it is so much fun i love just like it's like a balloon parade like the hawk rider video that they had a long time ago where he's like oh it's a balloon it's a balloon parade i love seeing like the balloon parade of the the skeleton traps or the uh, the balloon skeletons tanking for the rocket balloons as they wind up going through and destroying these districts it's just amazing i love it it is probably my favorite spell troop anything it, it might be my favorite in the game i don't know it's it's just something that i have a ton of fun with the, the last thing I'm going to talk about for why I think the clan capital is so wonderful is the variety. And I, I mean this in two ways. One way that I mean variety is a, a good player who is able to take down very consistently, take down districts in two hits, is at most able with one with one account. So that's the caveat, right? I obviously can attack as many times as I want to with as many strategies, so there isn't like a limited resources factor to the clan capital. But for a player who has one account, and they're going in with a maximum of six attacks for the weekend, if they are getting districts down in two hits, there are only two of the eight districts that they're even looking at in any given week. And that right there creates a lot of variability. If you are attacking the Dragon Cliffs and the clan, the Capital Peak or for your two attacks for the week, because usually Dragon Cliffs takes most people three hits at least, and the Capital Peak usually takes people three hits. So in a week where you're hitting Dragon Cliffs and the Capital Peak, you might only actually have two of the districts that you're hitting instead of potentially hitting three if you're getting two hits in each one. 
if you're two-shotting the districts and you're getting three, you're going to have at least three weeks go by before you would theoretically cycle back through and attack the same districts. So there's a lot of variability in the, in that. And as the game grows, I mean, imagine, you know, if they wind up adding one district every year or two districts maybe, right? If they added two districts a year, you would potentially be in a situation where, you know, you're eventually at 12 or 13 districts. And if you're in the same boat of only being able to hit two or three districts each week, you might have yourself go a good month and a half before you end up attacking the same district that you attacked in a in a previous cycle, so to speak. And so I like that variability. I think it's fun. The other thing I like is while, yes, there is a primary meta, each of the different districts they have so many different things between the wall formations, the river formations, the types of defenses that are on there, that there are actually a lot of ways to attack these different bases. And really what I found is if you're content to settle for three-shotting each of the districts, you can use most strategies and still wind up getting a reasonable three-star as long as you're actually approaching the base with some logic. I've seen plenty of people, they like they dump a mountain golem, and then they throw a few troops down with it, and they just like hope. Now, mountain golem, it's slow. It's painfully slow. It's a very powerful troop, and with the right spell support and with some super barbarians, it can actually be a very powerful unit to use against quite a few of the districts. But because he's kind of slow, you're never going to be two-shouting stuff, but it's such a fun troop to use, even though it can be painful to watch him walk slowly across the district, destroying the buildings. It can be a very fun strategy. The raid carts are cool. The hog party is cool. All the smaller troops between the raid car, I mean, the, uh, the super barbarians, the sneaky archers the super wizards, the super giants, they're all cool strategies you can use. And then you've got these other like really cool things of like the, you know, the, the flying ship is like one of the coolest things that the game I think has introduced. It's, I remember when I saw the original spoilers for what was going to be coming on the clan capital, I was like, what is this flying airship thing? And I saw the mountain golem. I was like, this is insane. What are these troops with a hundred housing space or 160 housing space? It's very cool. There's a lot of variety. And if you're not stressing yourself out about it and you are in a clan where it's a little bit more like, hey, two hits, uh, I mean, three hits to take out a district is totally cool with us. We're not going to be pressuring people to do better than that. It, th there are so many fun things you can try each week that will actually wind up meeting with a lot of success. Now, that being said, there is, of course, the dark side of the clan capital. While I do like that the capital gold is cool and we encourage people to get capital gold, the fact that when you look at the weekly leaderboard and it is ranking everybody on capital gold, I think it that can have somewhat of a negative impact on the way people approach playing the game. They can be, you know, these are, it, it can potentially cause people to come on there and take two attacks against a district, not get it to the full three stars. Maybe they get like 95%, then they leave it for somebody else. They're like, oh, I just wanted somebody else to be able to get their free attack in. And it's like, eh, I don't know if that's necessarily the case. You're just trying to be the leader for the week. And I've seen times where people will like use their alt accounts. And between the two, it's like they'll do a setup account, setup attack with their alt account, and then hit it with their main account. And I don't mind when it's their own experience that they're doing that with, but when they wind up up doing something like jumping into the middle of what somebody else has done because they want to get the most gold and they want to look like the strongest leader for the week. That kind of stuff, I feel like it creates a situation where there might not be strife or turmoil within the clan, but it presents an opportunity for strife or turmoil to suddenly come into existence, and that can be kind of frustrating. Of course, you can have people that mooch in clan games. And there's all these other aspects in the game. People can be leeching on donations, things that can cause problems or cause frustration. 
I don't like that there is that one as well, where people will leave something unhit because even though everybody gets the same share of raid medals, it's like they've got this personal goal of like, oh, I want to get the most clan capital gold. And my biggest problem with that is not even the the sort of jerky factor of like, oh, well, you didn't finish it off. But we all know that there are clan mates that like clan capital but end up having to burn sometimes two attacks in any given weekend to finish off districts that are at 95 or 96%. And my my problem with that is not that they're missing out on clan capital gold. My problem with that is that they're missing out on what would otherwise be a fun experience of attacking and picking apart a district and playing it to completion. Because realistically, what you probably should be doing is start attacking a district, you play it till you destroy it, and everybody can destroy a district that they're starting from scratch in under five attacks. Everybody can. So start a district, destroy it, start on something else, get as far as you can. If you happen to destroy that, start on the third one, get as far as you can. And if everybody engages in the same behavior, you don't run into the situation of somebody being like, oh, well, I'm just trying to save that attack so somebody can get their bonus attack. Nobody needs you to do that for them. If your final attack happens to be against a district that is unable to, you, you know, you were unable to finish it off, then that's fine. Let somebody else do it and then they can wind up doing the same thing. Another problem that I have with clan capital, some troops realistically, if you are trying to be a little bit more competitive, some troops are a little bit weaker and a little bit more difficult to use. I feel like this is the case with the raid cart. I just, most attack strategies, it doesn't wind up providing a really strong opportunity. The Inferno Babies are really good against Dragon Cliffs because they're helpful for taking out the Super Dragons, but otherwise they're kind of tough to use in a lot of other districts. The Super Dragons can be a little bit difficult to use at some of the higher levels because they do move a little slower and there are lots of air defenses and air bombs and anti-air troops. But, you know, the Graveyard spell is obviously incredibly powerful. The Sneaky Archers are obviously very powerful. There are definitely some much stronger attacks, and I would almost prefer that some of the other troops wind up getting a bit of a buff or maybe even a nerf on some of the defenses um, or even possibly introducing new troops, but we'll get into some of the stuff I'd see differently a little bit later. But I do feel like some of the troops are just not as strong and they make them more difficult to use. One of the other things I don't love about the clan capital is that bad attackers can actually hurt everybody in the form of raid medals, which we will get into the description of how that works as, as we run through how the raid medals are calculated. But somebody that comes in and does take four or five attacks to take a district down, it, they it, that maybe should have only gone down in three districts or in three hits, those people can actually somewhat hurt other people who made good attacks and were conscientious and worked really hard. And that is a little bit unfortunate. I almost wish there was some personal component to the way that the raid medals were calculated. Uh, again, we'll get into that in a little bit. But yeah, bad attackers can harm the entire clan to a certain extent. My other beef with the clan capital is that the base building is tough. You you can't copy layouts. I think that would be a great quality of life adjustment, being able to copy layouts from other clans. Because otherwise, a lot of people, they just leave their default setting, or maybe they'll move stuff around once or twice, and then they don't like trying different things because it is very onerous to go in and try to copy something. And sometimes it's a little tricky to just try and build something from scratch on your own. A lot of people like to get that sort of helping hand or head start of being able to copy a base. I see lots of players will copy Town Hall 14, 15 bases from a war, and then start making some tweaks to it, whether it's like spell tower movement or spell tower settings, trap placements, maybe move a few walls around to create some different pathing in the compartments, but there's no option to do that for the clan capital, which can be frustrating. 
The other thing about the base designs that I don't love, I actually wouldn't mind giving some of the clan members an opportunity to tinker with or develop layouts for the clan capital, but they have to be co-leaders to do that. I don't love that the base building and the co-leader status are tied together. I also think it would be a great quality of life update if Supercell introduced an opportunity for us to have like a base builder or a base designer status that was like elder plus the ability to modify the clan capital. Because I do have some people over time that are like, hey, can I make some designs? I really like that. I'm like, yeah, sure. Now I'll promote you to co-leader. And then later I'm looking for a reason to like demote them because, you know, co-leader is something that should come with more trust, more responsibility, more activity in the clan, more leadership. And and I, there are people where I wouldn't mind letting them tinker with the clan capital that I wouldn't really want them having the ability to potentially kick people out or award clan war league medal bonuses. So that would be really nice. The last thing that I will say about clan capital where I think it's potentially a negative is the, the pressure. So I did say that's one of the nice things about the clan capitals. There's less pressure, but there is kind of a dark side to it. There is that, you know, like I had a situation a couple weeks ago in one of our clans where we had 30 attacks that it took to take down a max capital hall 10. All the districts were max. Everything was max. They had some crazy good layouts nobody had seen before, and it cost us some attacks. Like on each of the districts, we basically use, I'd say like on on almost all the districts, it took an extra attack beyond what we normally do, and some of the clan members were getting a little bit snarky with each other. And that really irritated me because it's like, let's just acknowledge these were some crazy good layouts that they had that were, I mean, they were like super densely packed defenses that were... I'm going to wind up making a TikTok about it just so you guys can see what we're talking about. Like, it was crazy, these layouts that they had, because I took some screenshots or some recordings of them. But that issue, instead of it being something where collectively we were all going, oh my gosh, their layouts are so strong and so powerful, people were, like, getting irritated with each other. Like, why did it take so many attacks for this thing to go down? I don't understand that. What's happening here? And that, to me, is a little frustrating, because it takes what should be my favorite thing about it, which is the teamwork, the collective piece, and it turns it into something that is potentially negative because of the pressure. Also at the very highest levels, which none of my clans are actively trying to compete in some kind of legend league for the clan capital, but I know that there are a lot of people that get super stressed out when it's like, oh no, it took me three hits to take down the golem quarry, and now my clan's going to be really mad at me because I should have had it in two hits, and I don't like that kind of pressure for something that really should be a less competitive, less stressful, less scary aspect of the game. Moving on to the stuff that I would change. At uh, Capital Hall 10, it's fun to use three graveyard spells, and then what? A lightning spell, because the skeleton spell takes up two housing spaces, so then you've got this like seventh housing slot for spells, and there's only one single spell you can use that takes up one housing space. If you're trying to do two heal spells, or two rage spells, or three skeleton spells, graveyard, I always call the graveyard spell the skeleton spell. If you're trying to use most of the spells, you find yourself in a position where there's an extra one that's left over. And I hate that I will make these attacks with, you know, say rocket balloons and a couple of super barbarians and a couple of rams, and then I'm bringing one random lightning spell that is essentially useless. I mean, yes, it deals some damage to something, but I would rather have other options for what to do with that final spell slot. I would love to see 
you know, so they started a lightning spell out at one housing space, like they do on the main base, which used to be two, and the freeze spell on the main base used to be two. They went totally the other direction. The frost spell on the clan capital is four housing spaces, and that to me feels like it's way too much. I would love to see them do something similar with the frost spell that they did with the freeze spell in the home village. You can make a smaller radius and still let it have the same effect, or you can keep the radius that it has and just deaden the effect so that it doesn't slow the buildings down quite as much. And I think that would actually, some amount of tweaking would create an opportunity to reduce the frost spell down to one housing space, which then I think would be very useful. I honestly believe they could do the same thing with the rage spell, the jump spell, and the heal spell. The heal spell could get a smaller radius, or it could it could heal a little bit less damage. Same thing with the jump spell. And actually, the jump spell, I feel like it should be able to jump over wall, mountains, right? Right now, the jump spell won't let troops jump over mountains. It's magic, right? It's magic. It's not just about jumping over walls. It's about jumping over obstacles. Like, people are leaping lakes. Why wouldn't you maybe also be able to magically leap over a mountain? But I think the jump spell could be shrunk. The radius could be pulled down a little bit since right now it's really only used to go over one row of walls. Like when have you ever hit two rows of walls? Now, an intersection is one thing, but even a tiny jump spell could hit an intersection of walls. That could easily go down to one. The rage spell could go down to one housing space and be balanced accordingly. It could have a lower damage amount that it deals, a smaller radius. Just a little bit of, you know, side math here before getting into the real math of the episode. If you were to take a spell that has a, on the clan capital, that has a, a radius of six tiles, it would cover, you know, roughly 113, this is like pi r squared, it would cover roughly 113 tiles worth of space. If you were to shave one off of the radius to that, moving it down to five, you would be dropping from 113 down to 78, which is a 20, uh, 30 30% reduction. It'd be a 30% reduction in area of coverage. If you took a spell that had a 5-tile radius, which is covering 78 uh, tiles, square tiles, and you dropped it to 4, it'd be covering 50, which is a 36% reduction. I feel like that reduction from the radius would easily justify in a lot of instances creating situations where you could move many if not all of the spells down to one housing space maybe not the skeleton uh, the graveyard spell there it is again it's the skeleton spell maybe the graveyard spell stays at two because it's too powerful and you can leave it alone but having the rage spell or the frost spell or the jump spell or the heal spell go down to one housing space or create some new spells for us so that we can have something other than one random extra lightning spell if i think about my main village attacks and I'm, i've got one extra spell capacity that i'm trying to squeeze in it's never a lightning spell it's always going to be a freeze or an earthquake or an extra poison depending on if it's a lalo attack maybe it's an extra haste but it's usually a freeze or a poison it's never a lightning spell like nobody's going in with some cool super archer yeti smash oh and i'm gonna bring a lightning spell it doesn't happen I do think that the housing space of a couple of troops could probably be tweaked. I don't know if Supercell would be planning on tweaking any of the troop housing spaces anytime soon. But like the Mountain Golem, it's a beautiful troop. It's just a little bit too much. I think like even at 120 or 130, it feels like it might be overhoused. And I get it. It's huge. It's massive. I love it. It's beautiful. But I feel like it could probably use a little bit of a shave in the housing space. Probably the same thing with the raid cart. Maybe the raid cart could lose like five housing space. Um, it's there are a few of them I think we could potentially tweak the housing space to make it a more viable troop. Of course, I love the offensive side of the game. I love being able to make bigger and bolder and more flashy attacks. So, you know, housing spaces would be cool. Dragon Cliffs, I think, is one of the biggest standing problems in the game. It is one of the hardest districts, and it also offers the least amount of gold. 
somehow the clan capital needs to increase the amount of gold on dragon cliffs, whether it's just in the form of the super dragon post and they do it across all the bases, or if they just make all of the buildings on the super dra- on the, the dragon cliffs something higher. You know, a lot of times you'll be attacking other districts easily in two or three hits, and then the dragon post, I'm sorry, the dragon cliffs winds up taking three to four hits and it's worth less gold. That is very frustrating to a lot of people. I would love to see more districts. I really, like I said, I love the clan capital. It's tons of fun. More districts would be awesome. I would love to see even like the next time they upload, instead of doing one like they did with Skeleton Park, drop two new districts for us. Granted, there's balancing and defenses and all that stuff, but I love the clan capital Two new districts would be amazing. I don't feel like adding a new district in the clan capital is as impressive as adding a new town hall level, so I feel like they can happen more frequently. I would be interested in seeing a hero come along for the clan capital. Maybe it's like, you know, it's probably going to be something like, you know, the, the battle machine on the builder base is very similar to the Barbarian King. So maybe it's just a simple ground hero, but you can use it for one of your six attacks for the week. Maybe it's one of your five attacks, right? You have to use it on one of your first five, or maybe it's your sixth attack. It could just be, do you want to deploy your hero on this attack? And you could potentially throw that hero in. And it could be a Barbarian King-esque hero. Maybe they, they do add something a little bit flashier or clan capitally about it. But a hero that you could potentially use once a week might be a kind of fun addition. I would also like to see us, from a raid metal perspective, go back to uncapping the loot that you can use your raid metals on. Because when we first launched, we were able to use raid metals as much as we want for Dark Elixir, for Gold Elixir, for the builder resources, but then they capped it at one. If not uncapping it, at least go to three. That is something I'm going to be pushing for on the creator side. I pushed very hard against the cap of one each week in the first place, so I'm guessing it's not going to go anywhere. But I feel like being able to spend those raid metals on resources at a faster rate in the home village is actually something that would make the clan capital even more appealing to a lot of players. Okay, with that, we're going to move on to how the raid medals are calculated for your clan. We're going to start with the slightly easier one, which is the defensive side. The formula for this is relatively straightforward. It is the number of troops that are destroyed when attacking your districts for an entire raid. So whichever clan has the largest number of troops destroyed while attacking you, the sum total of the housing space of all of those troops across all of the attacks that are used against your base are added together and then divided by 25. So as an example, if we were to take a Capital Hall 9, which I can use these examples because my Trample Damage clan is a Capital Hall 9, if somebody used 27 attacks, and let's just for argument's sake assume that all 240 housing space worth of troops get destroyed every time. We know that there are some troops that are left over when the attack is finishing, but just for simplicity, pretend they're all left over. 27 attacks with 240 housing space per attack would be 6,480 troops. One, that t- that number is then divided by 25, and that would be a total of 259 raid medals on defense. Now, what they do is the total number of troops destroyed by each clan that attacks you for the week, the highest number of troops that were destroyed is then divided by 25, and that's how many defensive raid medals everybody in the clan winds up getting. And I feel like that's a pretty reasonable way for them to do it. I wouldn't actually mind if that number was increased just a little bit. You know, maybe instead of dividing that number by 25, we divide it by 20 to help give us a few more defensive raid medals. But what that really means is if you have a couple of clans that demolish your clan capital, but you get one clan, even just one clan a week trips up and needs to get 27, 28, 29 attacks to take you down, you'll have a strong defensive raid medal weekend. I have stuff a lot on my... 
trample damage. Well, a little bit less so now that I climbed over the 1600 um, count. Oh, I didn't even mention that. Ah, that's one of the things I probably should have mentioned. Maybe I'll save that for another episode because I had an idea for how my raid metal acquisition changed when I crossed this 1600 upgrade threshold. So I'll save that for another time. But when you have somebody that winds up getting, you know, 31, 32, 33 attacks. I remember a couple months ago having a couple of clans that took like 34 or 35 attacks to destroy my capital, like the whole entire capital, and I got really good defensive raid medals that week. So that's how the defensive raid medals are calculated. On the offensive side, it's a pretty simple formula. If you make an attack, and let's just say that you took your your five attacks for the week, because I'm going to put a situation here where you don't destroy any districts at all. If you attack five districts and you destroy a lot of stuff with each district and you get a bunch of gold, let's even just pretend that you got 30,000 gold with your five attacks, but you didn't destroy any of the districts, you would get a total of zero raid medals added to the pot for the week because you destroyed no districts. All of the raid medals on the offensive side are derived from destroying a district. So, ignoring the capital peak for a moment, if you destroy a district hall that is level 5, your clan gets 460 raid medals added to the collective offensive raid medal pot. So, let's say that you go through the week and you've got a district hall that is, or a capital peak that's 10, and you've got all the districts are maxed at 5, with the exception of Skeleton Park being at 4, the most raid medals you could wind up getting for that week for one clan would be 4,615. That's because a capital hall, I'm sorry, a district hall 4 is worth 405 raid medals. So if you have a district hall 4 for 405 raid medals, that's a total of 405, six districts at district hall 5 would be 460 apiece, which is 2,760, and the capital peak it has a different uh, measure. Capital. The main thing is capital peak 9 is 1375. Capital peak 10 is 1450. So if you destroy a capital hall 10, that's 1450 plus the 2760 from the six district hall fives and the 405 from skeleton peak, or I mean skeleton park, would be 4,615 total raid medals that you would add to the pot for your clan for the week. Now let's pretend that that was accomplished and that was the only district that was destroyed and you did it with 18 attacks. You'd take the 4615 divided by 18, which would be 256.4 medals per attack. And if you then multiply that by the six attacks each person makes, they would all be getting 1,538 offensive raid medals. So if you find, and the main thing to know is district hall four is worth 405. A district hall five is worth 460. A capital peak 9 is worth 1375, and a capital peak 10 is worth 1450. And I guess if you're a capital hall 9, the district hall 3, which you would have for Skeleton Park, is 350 raid medals. And this is a situation where bad attacking can hurt you because the cumulative amount of raid medals that you accomplish for the whole week goes into one pot that is then divided equally among every attack that was made. So if you have somebody during the week where the average attack is worth 200 raid medals and they only made one attack, they will get exactly 200 raid medals. If they made four attacks, they would get 600 raid medals. If everybody in the clan made six attacks and the average came out to be 200 per attack, you'd get a total of 1,200 for your offensive raid medals. That formula means that when people come in and they make bad attacks, let's just take a simple example and say you've got somebody who comes in and they start an attack and they lose their connection. Well, that adds another attack that is going to go into the denominator when it is awarding a number of raid medals per attack, and that will water it down for the entire clan. Taken to an extreme, if somebody came in and tried to make six attacks and really did nothing because they kept losing their Wi-Fi, they could literally just 
decrease the amount of ray metals that everybody else in the clan is getting because they're taking now a portion from which they contributed nothing. The other thing I will give you as a parting piece of advice on this is if you, let's say you only have one attack left for the week and there is a, a, a district that's about to go down with one more hit versus maybe another, and even if it's only going to give you a small amount of capital gold, you're probably better off taking that district down than wasting your last hit. Let's pretend it's the last hit of the week and you could choose between a fresh hit against the, I don't know, Barbarian Camp or a final hit against the Wizard Valley. The final hit against a Wizard Valley in a Capital Hall 10 with a District Hall 5 Wizard Valley would add 460 raid medals versus your one. Now that's to the cumulative pot. So like on average, each player is going to get an extra 10 raid, raid medals roughly for you doing that versus attacking the Barbarian Camp with your final attack where you will literally add nothing to the clan at large. Finally, even though we're already into ramble damage, we will go with some questions from the audience. I'm going to do a couple of quick, simple ones. C-Note asked, if you were stranded on a deserted island with nothing but a lifetime supply of Pepsi or seawater to drink when you indulge in the Pepsi or risk dying of dehydration, dehydration. I am pragmatic. I would absolutely drink the Pepsi, and I would never even think of drinking the seawater. Which brings us to Magnus's question. Which pop slash soda is superior, and why is C-Note wrong? This, to me, is one of those live, love, life, enjoy, and everybody to each their own. For me, my personal favorite soda is Coca-Cola, and my second favorite, which I've been drinking a lot more of ever since my son just recently went up to the University of Virginia. I miss him. He's a Dr. Pepper person. I've now been drinking a lot of Dr. Pepper. And why is C-Note wrong? I will say, Magnus, C-Note is not wrong, because drinking Pepsi is what makes him happy, and as long as he's not harming anybody in the consumption of his Pepsi, I am very happy for C-Note to continue drinking Pepsi. Uh, Wheatley asked a question, Trample, can everyone in the Discord server that orders stuff get a signed copy? This is about the merchandise that I theorized I might do a couple of months ago, and just because it would cost me too much in terms of shipping versus what I'd be making on the sale of merchandise, I'm going to say that no, unless somebody happens to run into me at an in-person event, I won't probably wind up doing signed copies. Another question from Wheatley, is using a troll base an actual strategy? I will say that, generally speaking, the answer is no. However, if you're trying to get out of Legend League, using a troll base is the number one strategy you could possibly use, because having some goofy layout that's easy for people to take down, or at least potentially easy, is one of the only ways to quickly and efficiently get out of Legend League, which I hate, and I've been bugging Supercell to give us an option to quickly exit Legend League instead of finding ourselves struggling for three or four or five days sometimes of not attacking and putting up easy bases to destroy in order for us to try and get ourselves out of Legend League. But yes, in that instance, I believe using a troll base is a great strategy. Question from Grandmaster Dirty. Do you think it would be a good quality of life improvement to give the same permission during regular wars to the member role in-game as it is during Clan War League? I say yes, 100%. The rest of this question sort of goes on to point out that, you know, in Clan War League, new members can't see Clan War League unless they are in Clan War League or an elder in the clan. I have always felt like ever since that was something I saw in Clan War League that we should apply that to regular wars as well because I do feel like it would potentially increase the number of new members that are accepted during war because nobody wants to have a spy come in and see the clan. It might also encourage more clans to leave themselves open if they are trying to grow their members without having to fear that somebody will come spy on their bases during war. A question from BDX Hunter. What is your favorite aspect of Clash of Clans and why? My favorite aspect of Clash has always been war. 
I love the competition. I love the pressure. I actually enjoy the pressure. I like the the extra adrenaline you get from feeling like, oh, the war is on the line, or I really need to deliver this. I love competition, and I am a competitive person, and so I love the clan war aspect of the game. A question from Bokester. Do you think practice maps will be made for Town Hall 14 and 15? I don't know. But I actually think that would be a fantastic idea, so much so that I am now inspired to maybe create one or two simple outlines of ideas that would help teach a strategy and send that into Supercell. So that is definitely something that I am going to try to get going because I think that is something we should absolutely have in the game. Uh, Question from Duck. Do you find it difficult to talk about aspects of the game when you know changes are coming to what you're talking about in the moment? Yes, this is something that I had as a problem as a co-host on my, well, I say problem, I take it loosely. It is something that is, it is difficult to have to do, but it is something that I feel like I'm good at doing, and it is something I feel like I am able to do successfully. But I hate having to keep secrets about this stuff. I'm good at it. I've had a lot of times in my career, like I have a lot of super confidential stuff that I work on, super confidential stuff that I'm involved in, and I'm good at keeping my mouth shut. But sometimes it's like I see something like when Town Hall 15 was coming out. Oh, my gosh. I wanted to tell everybody this is going to be so cool. These new pets are awesome. This new defense is crazy, but I can't. And so the difficulty for me just lies in not being able to share because I love being able to share. Uh, the last uh, last question that we're going to wind up fielding today is coming from Liam Titan. What is the worst advice you ever received? And this is by far, without a doubt, in the year or so leading up to when my wife and I got married, I had so many people tell me, don't get married. You don't need to. You're young. Because we got engaged when we were 18 years old. We got married just right after I turned 20, shortly before my wife turned 20. She was still 19 at the time. And people would ask me, like, well, is she pregnant? I'm like, no, she's not pregnant. Are you religious? I'm like, no, we're not religious. And in Las Vegas, there's also a lot of Mormons. So I had a lot of people like, are you Mormon? I'm like, no. And then they were confused. Like, why are you getting married if you're not religious or you're not pregnant? And it's because we're in love. But I had so many people. It boggles my mind still to this day. How many people told me, don't get married. And this is after I told them, we're engaged, we're getting married, we're in love, we're best friends. They're like, you just take your time, pace yourself, there's no need to get married. I think that is terrible, terrible advice that I got from so many people. My wife, to this day, is still my absolute best friend in the world, and I could not be happier than I am in the relationship that I have with her. And so I will say, by far, that is the worst advice that I ever received from a lot of people when we were engaged. And on that, I will simply leave it uh, as the finishing up the questions component. And I will tell you, because I always forget to do this until the very end, even though we're well into ramble damage at this point, which actually Catfish coined that term. Uh, the He had a podcast, Clashing in Traffic. Uh, but podcast, I mean, uh, Cla- Catfish coined that term, ramble damage. I think it's appropriate. Uh, but I often forget to mention, if you're still listening at this point, I don't know, comment on the podcast and tell me something interesting in the comments section in my Discord server. Make sure to continue dropping questions into there. I try to get through as many of them as I can. Always make sure to use code TRAMPLE. If you don't like me enough to use my creator code, Use somebody else's creator code. These content creators put in an absolute pile of work to try and support you guys. Do what you can to support them in return. And of course, check out my TikTok, check out my YouTube, check out all the other social media stuff I post. And we will catch you guys on the next podcast.